And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 2, this morning. I want to talk to you. The, 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 the title of this message is Left Behind. Left Behind, and I'm not speaking about, talking about the rapture this morning. I want to talk to you about a time that Mary and Joseph left Jesus behind. You know, Luke was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. It was uh, Luke who wrote the book of Acts. He, he, he was told partly about Acts and he recorded it. And then when he joined the team about midway through, he starts using the we narratives. It was also Luke who wrote the gospel of Luke. Now, Luke was not a contemporary of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord had already died and risen and gone back to heaven by the time Luke got saved. But Luke's gospel, which is called the gospel of miracles, I love it. It's the gospel of healings and miracles. He emphasizes that. He was a physician, so he was interested in that kind of thing. And Luke probably wrote his gospel from listening to the sermons of the apostles. And also history tells us that Luke got to spend time with Mary, the mother of our Lord, and with John the Revelator, who both had moved from Jerusalem because of persecution. They had moved from Israel to to modern-day Turkey, and they, they lived in Ephesus. And so he, 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 he records information in Luke chapter 1 and 2 about the birth of Jesus that nobody else records. And it's because he's listening to Mary. And it's interesting to me, the beginning in verse 41, that Mary, of all the things she could have shared with Dr. Luke about Jesus' childhood, about his teenage years, she chooses to share an event where she and Joseph lose Jesus. And I think she, she shared this because it was a turning point in their own lives. Let, let's look at this together. Verse 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. Have you ever lost your child? Boy, I have. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. Well, well, again, get the picture here. They're traveling as a big caravan of family and friends and neighbors that have traveled all the way from Nazareth. They've gone a hundred miles up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is actually south of them, but they have to go up the mountains to get up to Jerusalem. And, you know, it says they, they looked for him and they couldn't find him, verse 45. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to seek him. You know, it's possible that you and I even today can move ahead of God. We can get a sense of what God tells us to do, but yet we can move ahead of him. Verse 46, now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? See, even at the age of 12, Jesus had a sense of his divine mission. He says, I've got to be about my father's business, verse 50. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. 
You know, I think that what Joseph and Mary learned that day is that you and I have to adjust to God. God doesn't adjust to you and me. Sometimes we want God to see it our way. Come on, have you ever prayed that way? Come on, Lord, see it my way. Well, But he doesn't adjust to us. We have to adjust to him. And dear ones, as I read this, this passage of Scripture, I think the thing that just, just yells for my attention is this. The most important thing I can ever do, the most important thing you can ever do is to cultivate and to make sure that the presence of God is in my life. The most important thing we can do is to cultivate the active, ongoing, manifestational presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about His omnipresence here. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And He's omnipresent. It means God can be, He's with you today, and He's with us here, and He's with churches all around the world today. He's with Christians everywhere because He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. I'm not talking about that, though. I'm talking about the manifestation of His presence where He walks with you and where He talks with you and where He says, you are my very own child and where the Spirit bears witness that you're a child of God, where you're, you're going through life and it's joy unspeakable and it's full of glory, where you got a merry heart and it's doing you good like a medicine. I'm talking about walking in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. I'm talking about drawing water with joy out of the wells of salvation. Come on. That's what I'm talking about, that manifestation. So what is it that separates people from the presence of God? I would say for sinners, for people that don't know Christ, for people that are not walking with God, that which separates them is sin, S-I-N. And I don't really think it's big sins or little sins that separate him. I think sin is sin in God's sight. And Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He says when He's come, when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. And then He said in verse 9, now catch this, He said of sin because they have not believed on Me. If we will listen to the Holy there's not a single person today in the world who's walking apart from Christ in this country or in any other country of the world, there's not a single person that the Holy Spirit is not standing, knocking. Jesus is pictured in Revelation 3, standing at the door and knocking. The Holy Spirit is knocking, saying, put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on God. Get your heart right with God. So clearly, sin separates unbelievers from God and from fellowship with Jesus. But what is it that sometimes separates even believers? I believe the answer is a little more subtle than that. I, I, I think that sometimes we as believers, you know, we don't always see our own hearts. Sometimes we can be guilty of hidden sins that are in our own hearts and we just kind of think we got it together and we're doing pretty good. But sometimes we don't see that we've got unforgiveness in our hearts. Sometimes we don't see that we've got bitterness and resentment and grudges in our own hearts. Sometimes we don't see the pride and the lust and the greed that's in our own hearts. You know, when I was 28, I became a dean of students at a graduate university in Virginia Beach, Regent University, owned and operated by the Christian Broadcasting Network. 
And I knew I was over my head at age 28 because the average age of students was 30. Most of them were graduate students. And so I told Kathy, I said, Kathy, I'm going to take seven days and I'm going to fast and pray, which I did. And I was praying to be God's man of the hour, great with power and great with anointing. And I was asking for all this stuff. And I prayed the first day, the second day, and the third day. And about the fourth day, I just prayed and I just about prayed out. And I was just kind of laying on the carpet before the Lord. It was my lunch hour. And so I, was, I, was, I didn't get an hour, but I got 30 minutes. But anyway, I'm laying on the carpet before the Lord. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to my heart and say, Terrell, you have unforgiveness in your heart. And I said, not me, Lord. Maybe somebody else, but not me. And I said, who do I have unforgiveness for and suddenly i mean it was just like i could see a list of names i went over and started writing them down i filled up an entire eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper with people going all the way back to my childhood that i had a grudge in my heart toward i had think offenses in my heart for some people that i felt like i treated my mom and dad wrong i had all these offenses in my heart and i didn't know they were in there but those are the things dear ones that will keep you from enjoying the manifestation of Jesus' presence on a daily, regular basis. And it's not just, listen to me, Christians, it's not just the little sins, I mean, or the hidden sins, sometimes it's bigger sins. I mean, I mean, here's the deal. We know, you know, most, most of you here in church today that know the Lord, I mean, you're not out in the world lying and cheating and stealing and committing adultery. But I guarantee you, those sins will keep you from having fellowship. It will hinder your relationship with the Lord. It will hinder you from enjoying His presence. Now, there's some Christians that do that kind of stuff. And I don't want to be them because Jesus said that there's coming a day of judgment and not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord's going to enter the kingdom of heaven. He that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And we've got to be more concerned about doing the will of God than, we've, than, than anything else in the world. And I'll tell you, for me, I want the presence of God in my life. I need the presence of God. In His presence, there's fullness of joy. At the Father's right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Well, if, if, if in His presence, there's fullness of joy, I'm telling you, there's healing in His presence. There's deliverance in His presence. There's provision and prosperity and supply in His presence. Come on. I'll tell you, there's peace of mind and peace of heart in His presence. There's wholeness in His presence. Glory to God. And I just don't want His presence on Sunday morning. I want His presence on Sunday afternoon. Man, I want His presence on Sunday night. Yesterday morning. I knew my wife was traveling today. And I was talking to her and I said something she didn't like and she said something I didn't like. And before I knew it, we were just sideways with each other. Have you ever noticed how that can, it can happen so easy? At times you don't want it to happen. She's sideways over here and I'm sideways over here and she's got her feelings hurt and I've got my feelings hurt and I'm waiting for her to, to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And I'm saying, no, she's waiting on me to, 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 to ask forgiveness and it's a Mexican standoff, you know, and man, we're going nowhere fast. And I finally had to just say, honey, our relationship's more important than who's right and who's wrong. Our relationship's more important 
than, than, than me getting my way or you getting your way. And she says, I agree. And she came over and hugged me and I hugged her. And man, then we got on our knees and I repented of pride because I'll tell you something, you don't have a Mexican standoff with your wife unless you got pride in your heart. Maybe not you, but I do. Lord Jesus, forgive me of this pride. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for this arrogancy, Lord God. Forgive me for feeling like I've always got to be right. You don't have that problem, I'm sure, but. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and it got good. Somebody say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Wouldn't it be nice that when you start to get into sin, I was thinking about this yesterday, if when I first started to talk to Kathy, before I said that which really hurt her, and before she said that which really hurt me, wouldn't it have been nice if I'd had a just a, a built-in warning? Woo! 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 Walk out, watch out, Terrell. Danger, danger, danger. Do not proceed. Stop. You're entering a danger zone. You're about to sin. Woo! Danger, danger, danger. This is your last warning. <laughs> what did <what'd> you do? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? How many would like to have that? How many of you know you do have one? He's called the Holy Spirit. And anytime you and I start to do anything that violates his first name, because he is a Holy Spirit, not an unholy spirit. The moment you and I start to do anything that violates his first name, that, that borders on unholiness, the Holy Spirit, if you will have a soft heart, he will speak to you. The problem is that we go through life. Sometimes life is tough. Sometimes you lose a loved one. You lose a son or a daughter or a brother or sister or mother or father or spouse or you go through a divorce or you lose a job. You have a financial reversal. Somebody cheats you. Somebody's out there trying to destroy you. We go through that stuff and sometimes if we're not careful, our heart can get hard. Or how about this? You can go to church. And maybe somebody at church disappoints you. Maybe the pastor disappoints you. Maybe you had expectations that weren't met. Maybe your best friend disappoints you. Maybe you were wanting to lead a small group and you weren't chosen to lead that group. And our heart can get hard. And when our heart gets hard, the Holy Spirit is going, woo, Danger, danger, but we're not hearing it because we've got the spirit of deafness about us. Because of the hardness of our heart. That's the reason we all need to say, Jesus, would you give me a a soft heart? Jesus, would you give me a a soft heart, a a tender heart? I want to hear your voice, God. I don't want anything. I don't want anything to stop me from hearing your voice. See, folks, I want to do God's will, and I want to hear God's voice, and I want to live in the manifestation of His presence more than I want anything in the world. I want it every moment of every day, of every hour, come on, every week, every month, every year. 
Somebody said, well, you just don't know how, how I was treated. I'm mad. I, I, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to call that person and give them a piece of my mind. Well, you might do that, but I'm going to tell you, you probably need every piece you got. You know the trouble with some people? They've told this person off, and they told that person off, and they told this person off, and that person off, and they've given away so many pieces of their mind that, I mean, they just can't even think straight. <laughs> you got to make the decision to stay in God's presence. When you get up in the morning, I'll tell you one of the things that helps me. It helps me to just be grateful, to cultivate a heart of gratefulness before I even get up. I mean, that alarm goes off. I don't know what time your alarm goes off. My alarm goes off about a quarter till six. My alarm goes off. And I'll just lay there and I'll just say, Lord, I want to thank you for life. I want to thank you for breath. I want to thank you that, 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 that I'm mobile. God, I want to thank you that I can see. I want to thank you that I can hear. I want to thank you that I can touch, that I can taste. Lord God, I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness to us. God, I want to thank you that I got air and oxygen in my lungs. I want to thank you, Lord God, that Jesus died for me. I want to thank you that he's made me the righteousness of God in Christ when I didn't deserve it. I thank you for your grace and I'm a, I'm a trophy of your grace Lord God and you had mercy on me when I didn't deserve your mercy and Lord Jesus I give you praise and I give you glory I'm going to tell you something that's the best antidote to depression that I know if you'll cultivate a grateful heart and start giving thanks to God you don't have time to think about yourself somebody say amen now tell the person next to you that's really good preaching You get up in the morning, you say, this is a day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to give Him glory. This morning I started praying. I got, I got in the car and, and, and and I said goodbye to Kathy because she's getting ready to, to drive to South Carolina because our daughter, thank God, has come home with that little newborn preemie baby and she needs her mama. So mama wanted to get up there and I'm going to join them later on this week. But mama wanted to get up there. And so I'm in the car and I'm, I'm praying. It's about eight o'clock. I'm coming down Thomasville Road from Bradfordville up, up where we live back. My dad said he would come see me more often, but he has to pack a lunch. You know, we're, we're up there close to the Georgia line. Anyway, I'm driving down the road. I'm just praying in other tongues and I'm giving Jesus glory and I'm, I'm enjoying God's presence. I start crying. My eyes are filled with tears. Tears are coming down my cheek. I get on I-10 and I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, help me not to have an accident here. I'm just crying. I'm just enjoying because in his presence, I'm telling you, there's fullness of joy at the father's right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In fact, let's look at that Psalm 16, verse 11. Let's look at that scripture. You will show me the path of life. Some of the problem is some of us think we know the path of life. I'm just saying. But in your presence is a little bit of joy. In your presence, there's a fullness There's a fullness. Galatians 4, 4 says in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son born of a virgin. I'm telling you, God's got a fullness of time for you. He's, you say, I prayed and I haven't seen God come through. I'm telling you, he's got a fullness of time. He's never late and he's never early. He's right on time and his timing may not be the same as my timing, but he's got a fullness of time. That word fullness means a a house that's full of nice furniture, a ship that's full of the tackle that it needs to do 
its job. An army that's full of soldiers. That's the way that was used in the Greek. In the fullness of time. Now this is Hebrew. He says in your presence is fullness. Everybody say fullness. That means completion. It means a whole. There's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Glory to God. I'm telling you, when the storms of life begin raging, the presence of God is a refuge for me. The presence of God. How many of you remember that song, He Hideth My Soul in the Cleft of the Rock? Come on, you probably got to be over 50 to even remember that one. That's a great song. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock in a dry, thirsty land, something like that. Anyway, it's good stuff because, because Jesus is our refuge and strength, a very present help and not a sometimes help, not a fair weather help, not a delayed help. He's a very present help in time of trouble, but he's a present help to those that count him. A help, hallelujah. And you don't, you wait until you got, you don't, you wait. Let me say this right. You count him a very present help before you have a problem. You don't wait until you have the problem and then saying, Jesus, help. You count him a help today. Man, when things are going good, you say, the Lord is my help. I mean, you got to know. I'll tell you one of the things that's, that's really helped me a lot. It's when I finally figured out that Jesus is my source and not me. When I finally figured out that God is my source. See, if I'm my source, at some point in time, I'm going to get discouraged because I'm pretty limited. But when you know that God is your source. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. And he will hide your soul in the cleft of the rock of his presence. He really will. Look at Psalms 31, verses 19 and 20. David writes, he says, Oh, how great is your goodness. Everybody say goodness. That's also translated as kindness. How great is your goodness or kindness, which you have laid up for those who fear you. Now, here's the question. God is good. How great is his goodness? How great is his kindness? Where is that going to be manifest in your life? Where's his goodness and his kindness going to be manifest in your life? Look at this. How great is your goodness which you've laid up for those who fear you, which you prepare for those who trust in you, in the presence of the sons of men. I'm telling you, God has goodness and He's got kindness that He's stored up for you and He wants to display it in the presence of men. You say, yeah, but people are mean to me. People are are nasty. That's okay. Our God specializes in preparing a table in the presence of our enemies. The Bible doesn't say we won't have enemies. It just says, hey, God's going to prepare. I got this. Relax. I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Glory to God. Look, 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 at, look at verse 20. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. The psalmist said, 
He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm telling you, there is a secret place. And, and, and I live at 2576 Bishop's Green Trail. And you may live on Smith Avenue or on Jones Court or whatever your address is. I'm telling you, he that liveth, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. He's not talking about a physical address. He's talking about a place of abiding in Jesus. Jesus said, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you you'll ask if you dwell in me and my words dwell in you if you live in me and my words live in you you'll ask what you will and it shall be done you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence now watch this from the plots of men the bible never says come to jesus and you won't have people plotting against you He just says, if you trust in the Lord, He's going to direct your steps. And no weapon formed against you can prosper. Every tongue lifted against you. This is Isaiah 54, verse 17. Every tongue lifted against you, you shall show to me in the wrong. For this is your... Come on. This is your heritage. And your righteousness is from... Me, saith the Lord. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion. You know what that means? Other people can't tell when you're abiding in Jesus. Other people can't tell when you're in the secret place of the Most High. Other people can't always tell when you're enjoying the presence of God. But it says, you shall keep them secretly in a pavilion. Watch this. From the strife of tongues... From people who are getting on your case. From people that are trying to tell you how rotten and sorry you are. You know, Wednesday night I I shared a story. I'm teaching on flowing in the Holy Spirit on Wednesday nights. And we were talking about the gift of prophecy. And we are talking about how sometimes it can be abused. That's the reason the Bible tells us despise not prophesying. Because it can be abused. It says says, um, despise not prophecy. Um... uh, Hold fast to all things. In other words, examine all things. Hold fast to the truth. In other words, so, so you got to be you got to be studious about it. But but prophecy is real. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification. Everybody say that edification. That means strengthening. Exhortation, which means encouragement. And comfort. Everybody say comfort. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. So real New Testament prophecy is going to bless you. It's going to be good. But when we first planted North Shore Christian Church up in Illinois, during our first year, we were meeting in the Meadowbrook Elementary School, and we finally got a Sunday school class started for boys ages 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Now, ideally, you wouldn't put those four ages together, but, man, we were struggling just to get it going. And I got a man to teach it, and I was just thrilled. But then that man's wife came to me and said, Pastor, i got to tell you, my husband's beating me. He's abusing me. He's cursing me almost every day. He's locking me out of the house. And she began to show me her arm. She just showed me all the bruises. I said, have you been to the authority? She said, no, I don't want to do that, but I don't know what to do. Well, I think she got some comfort by talking to me about it. But suddenly it gave, I, had, I couldn't leave that man teaching that boy's class. So I sat down with him and I said, I'm told that you've been abusing your wife. I'm told that you've been beating her. I've been told that you've been cursing her, that you've locked her out of the house. 
And he didn't deny it or say it was true. He just got very, very angry at me. And he began to curse me. Now that was a little clue that I was doing the right thing. Amen? He began to curse me. And then in a perverse tone, in an unholy spirit, it was almost, it was almost like he was prophesying, but it was an unholy spirit. He began to say, yay, in King James language, yay, you're going to come to nothing. Your church is going to be destroyed. Your ministry is going to be destroyed. Your family will be destroyed. He just went on and on and on, you know, just, just cursing Kathy and the children and, and everybody. And, you know, by that time, I, I'm, we're sitting in my office and it's just him and me and I'm bigger than him. And I'm having a hard time just sitting there because I can feel my right hand just clenching up in a fist. I mean, you know, that's not a good thing. I began praying under my breath. I mean, here's this man cursing me. I said, Jesus, help me to turn the other cheek. How many know it takes grace? You need grace to turn the other. Jesus, give me the grace to turn the other cheek. Well, he left. We went on our way. And, you know, I didn't lose too much emotional energy over that. It bothered me some. In fact, it was about this time of year. It was Christmas time. I didn't lose a lot of emotional energy because it says in Proverbs 19, it says that a curse spoken wrongly will not alight. You all need to know that. A curse spoken wrongly will not alight. This verse says, it says, you shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Hey, pe- people may, may rant on you. I mean, it, it's Christmas time. Come on. Some of you are going to see relatives and friends here at Christmas time. And, and sometimes you're going to be together just long enough for the, for the worst part of your relative to come out. Amen. You know. Mama's going to get a headache that afternoon because of the stress and the tension and Uncle so-and-so is going to still be boring with his attitudes and his opinions. And Aunt, what's her name, is still going to test your patience. And, you know, all that kind of stuff happens. But we got to know something. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the... It doesn't matter how many times you get torn... torn I, I get told off or you get told off or how ungodly people may act towards us. If we'll keep acting like Jesus, folks, we don't turn the other cheek because we're weaklings, because we just want to get sand kicked in our face at the beach. We turn the other cheek to let Jesus, to let God get involved and fight our battles. Because when God gets involved, He's going to show kindness to that person. He's That person that's cursing you, He's going to show kindness. And if they'll repent, praise God, they'll repent. Then they'll come and make things right with you. But if they won't, then they're going to reap the consequences of their own actions. And you and I have not had to, to, to lift our hand against them. Folks, I'm telling you, the battle is not mine. The battle is the Lord's. Glory to God. Hallelujah. When the storms of life start raging against you, and I just sense there's some of you here today, perhaps the storms of life are raging in your life. I'm telling you, that's the time I go to the rock of my salvation, the stone that the builders rejected. Somebody knows it here. I, it's an old song, amen? I mean, that's the time to run. Don't walk, run for His presence. Go to His Word. His manifest presence makes all the difference in the world. I remember, I hadn't planned to share this, but I, I'm just suddenly remembering we, we had moved from the Meadowbrook Elementary School. The church was growing, and we'd moved to Lake Forest High School. And now we've got three or 400 people, and, 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 and I've got a room in the back of the high school cafeteria where we met that I would go in to pray before the service, and I came out of it, and we had a, 
a hundred foot snake. That's that's what you run all the sound cables in. And and we had had a pretty big band like we do here. And I had had a a, a, a thirty six channel big board mixer. And the fellow that was in charge of mixing the sound and my worship pastor were nose to nose. I mean, they are having words in no uncertain terms. And I'm thinking everybody around there can see it happening. And the sound guy is just coming unglued. And now this guy starts cursing. And, and, and I've just come out of the prayer room, you know, God's man of faith and power ready for the hour. And I said, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. Excuse me. Let's... This is not a good time to work out these differences. And the sound guy, had, I don't know altogether what had happened, but the sound guy says, I'm out of here, and he took off. Well, the worship pastor said, Pastor, I, I, I'm really sorry about this. I'm sorry about this. Now, the sound man, before he took off, he had a few choice words for me too. I mean, you know, sometimes we get other people's mail. Especially this time of year. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of stress, and some people don't care who they take that out on. I was at Belk's last week, and I was in the line and trying to pay for something. And there was a lady who had gotten upset because she had bought something, and then they put it on sale, and then she got a 25% off coupon, so she was bringing it back. And there's a long, long line, you know, and I'm just trying to buy my one little item. And this lady's got 18 things she's trying to bring back so she can rebuy and, and get, and you know, and I understand it, I get it, but it's just not that time of year. And those people in front of me, I mean, they were cursing, and they were, they were, they were, if you ever notice how some people talk out loud so everybody can hear them? Hey, we'd like to get on with things here. That poor clerk was doing the best she could. She called the manager and, man, she, she, she was getting all flustered in the computer. It's always a computer problem, isn't it? What a good time to say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but I'm going to remember the name of the Lord my God. God is working in me. I'm telling you something. Jesus goes everywhere you go because your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost and you can take Jesus with you all the time and you say, well, there's a long line and they're fussing and fighting up there. You can just say, Jesus, I love you. Noel, Noel. I don't know the rest of it, but that's a great song. I know that much of it anyway. Noel, Noel, hallelujah, glory to God. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Let me share with you another scripture, Acts 4, verse 31. I want this to be said of you, okay? It's what the Sanhedrin said about Peter and John. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They marveled. They realized they had been with Jesus. Folks, there's a mark that comes on you and me when we practice the presence of Jesus. You know, there was a priest named Brother Andrew, and he was in a monastery. Uh, Excuse me, Brother Lawrence. He was in a monastery. And he just loved the presence of God. And he asked for two jobs in the monastery. He said, number one, I want to wash dishes. And number two, I want to peel potatoes. And all the time that he washed dishes, he would just give Jesus glory. He would just give Jesus honor. He would praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, 
You've got a built-in intercessor inside you. Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now hear me, catch this. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus. I'll let the rest of you chew on it for a while. It's the presence of Jesus that leads you to victory in life. It's the presence of Jesus that helps you overcome. If you spend all your time hanging out with brother and sister gossip, they're going to pull you down. If you spend all your time hanging out with brother and sister complainer and griper, and somebody's got a critical negative spirit, well, I didn't like this and I didn't, well, who cares? Your opinion's like a belly button. Everybody's got one. Your opinion of $3 might get you a cup of coffee at McDonald's. If you hang around people that are always griping and complaining, it's going to pull you down. But if you'll walk walk with people that are people that are speaking their faith because death and life are in the power of our tongue. You know, we've got the greatest congregation in the world and we've got the greatest youth group. Sawyer, you're part of the greatest youth group in the world. Hallelujah. Come here and help me, Sawyer. You're getting so big. Look how tall he is. Good. <laughs> Are you 14 now? Yes, sir. When did you have, when was your birthday? March 26th. March 26th. Man, he's going to be a big man. Look at the size of those feet. Let me see your hands. Put your hand up here. Good. Great. Bigger than mine. Come and just walk with me. Sawyer is going to school and... You're homeschooled, aren't you? So he's part of the homeschool co-op. He's, he's, he's working with, with his friends. He's having fun. And somebody's really, really negative. Say, Sawyer's got a choice. Am I going to pick up that spirit of that negative person? I'm going to tell you something. You can pick up a negative complaining spirit. You can pick up, see, see a root of bitterness will spring up and defile many. That's what it says in Hebrews 12, verse 15. Come on, just walk with me. And Sawyer says, but you know, this person over here, they don't talk about people. They don't talk about how bad things are. In fact, they talk about how good things are. They don't talk about lack and and, and not having this and not having that. They talk about how God's going to provide. They talk about the goodness of the Lord. And Sawyer says, you know what? I think I want to hang around this person. Come on, give Sawyer a big hand of applause. Thank you, Sawyer. Folks, when you're in God's presence, (laughs) it's hard to grumble when you're in the presence of Jesus. Come on, it's hard to complain when you're in the presence of Jesus. (laughs) It's hard to gripe when you're in the presence of Jesus. It's hard to find fault when you're in the presence of Jesus. It's hard to criticize when you're in the presence of Jesus. And I just want to ask you, how hungry on this December 18th, how hungry are you for the manifest presence of Jesus in your life? How thirsty are you? Because Jesus said, if any man thirsts after righteousness, he shall be filled. But you got to get thirsty first. See, here's the problem. 
Many times we focus on our problems. Let's say we need healing. And so we say, oh God, I want to be healed. Or maybe I've got a financial need. Or maybe I've got a need in my family. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Here's the deal. What you're doing is you're focusing on getting God's hand instead of His face in your life. You're trying just to get Him to answer your prayer. Just to supply your need. And then you're going to go off until you need Him again. There's something about problems. And I don't think God sends problems. I think the devil does. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. But there's something about problems and pressure that gets you and me to seek the face of God. Hallelujah. Here at Christmas time, I just want you to hear my pastor's heart. It's so important that we cultivate, that we cultivate the presence of Jesus. And it's not that hard. All you got to do is start giving Him glory. But it's so easy for those little hidden sins, those things, those attitudes, those things in our heart. And, and folks, here's the deal. If you'll ask God if you've got things in your heart, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He won't tell anybody else either. Somebody say, well, I discern that, that she's got problems. No, you've got the spirit of suspicion, not discernment. Discernment is discernment of spirits. I think if you really got the discernment of spirits, you're going to discern the presence of angels. Come on. Somebody says, oh, that place was filled with demons. Well, there are places that are filled with demons, but hear me. There's only one-third, only one-third of the angels became demons. Two-thirds of the angels did not rebel. So you're going to discern, number one, the presence of holiness and the presence of Jesus a whole lot more than you're going to be discerning the presence of, of darkness. And don't ever confuse discernment with suspicion. Turn to somebody and tell them and say, don't confuse discernment and suspicion. Okay? Let me land this plane. When, when Kathy and I were raising our kids, I don't remember how, exactly how old they are. I remember the baby was about two and a half. Kristen was two and a half. We took them to buy clothes, went to the mall in Illinois, went to buy clothes. Kathy took the older two kids back in the dressing room to, to try on clothes. And, and Kristen, bless her heart, she was left with me. And when I, I found a seat, and I usually have something to read, and I read it, and I was watching her, read it and watching her, and I looked for her, and I couldn't find her. She was gone. She was gone. I looked all around, walked back to the dressing room, couldn't find Kristen. She wasn't around. Kathy was getting panicked by now. The clerks are looking for Kristen. The store manager's looking for Kristen. We're all yelling, Kristen, Kristen, Kristen. Security comes. Immediately, they dispatch people to the restrooms to make sure nobody's molesting a two-and-a-half-year-old little girl in the restrooms. And they, they put security personnel at all the exit doors to make sure that nobody's taking a, a two-and-a-half-year-old out against their will. We don't know where she is. After about 45 minutes, we're still standing in this clothing store. Little Kristen comes out from under. There's a round rack of clothes. And it, I think it was Lady Slacks, and it was round, and you could stand over it, and it was big. That child had crawled into that rack of clothes, and I don't know if she fell asleep or what, she, but for, t- for 45 minutes, she, we're, we're, we're going crazy looking for her, and she's inside the rack of clothes, and she comes out like, what's wrong? <laughs> Guys, it was 113 years ago yesterday 113 years ago yesterday that the Wright brothers remember Wilbur Wright and Orville Wright they're from Dayton Ohio 
they're experimenting with flying machines, and they put a motor on a glider, and they decided that they might get it off the ground better in, in on the east coast of North Carolina, on the Outer Banks, where there's lots of headwinds, that they can get it off the ground better than they can in Ohio. So they, they come in December, they come to North Carolina, and they finally get their flying machine off the ground. 852 feet was their record first flight. They're so excited. The only problem is nobody saw it but them. And they're wanting to celebrate. So they go and find a telegraph office and they telegraph the local newspaper in Dayton, Ohio. Now these guys own a bicycle shop, bicycle shop back in Ohio. Anyway, they cable the television, I'm mean, excuse me, the newspaper, weren't any television back then. They, 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 they telegraph the newspaper office and they say, tell them all about their great epic first flight. We flew 852 feet in the air. They describe it great detail. And they come to the end and they put a PS on it. They said, we hope to be home for Christmas. And the next day in the Dayton, Ohio newspaper, front page said, local bicycle merchants to be home for Christmas. Didn't say anything. Didn't say anything about that first flight. You talk about missing the story of the century. Whoever did that missed the story. Focus on me. I'm going to land this plane right now. Some of you are thinking, he's never going to land this plane. I'm landing it right now. Look at me. There are people in our neighborhoods, in the market, in stores, at the office, in our families, who can't see Jesus for the presence and the parties and all the hoopla that goes around in the Christmas season. But Christmas is about God becoming a man. Fully God, fully man. Christmas is about Jesus being born of a virgin, living a sinless life, going to Calvary's cross, dying for the sins of the world. He didn't wait for you and me to repent, but He went ahead and died for the sins of the world, paid the price, was placed in the grave, ascended on the third day, spent 40 days on this earth, Ascended back to the right hand of the Father, took a seat, and sent the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, so that you and I can be born again, so that we can have a relationship with God, so that we don't have to pay for our own sins, so that we can make heaven our home. In just a second, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. But when I do, I'm going to ask you, please, don't don't be talking and don't be moving. I mean, if you've got an appointment, then you definitely have to, to leave for that. I think I get that. But if you don't have an appointment, if you don't have to leave, I'm going to ask you to stand and just bow your heads and be very quiet because this is a holy time. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I want to talk to three groups of people that are here this morning. Three groups of people. Number one, I, I, I want to talk to those of you who have never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you a question. What would happen if you died today? Pastor Jack Howell died yesterday. Carolyn Fleck passed away last week. If you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? See, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says all have sinned. All of us. Somebody said hell is reserved for those that want to pay for their own sin. The Bible also says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And today, I want to give you the opportunity to call on the name of the Lord. I want to give you the opportunity to turn away from your sin and turn to our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a second group of people that I want to talk to today. And perhaps at one time you were on fire for God, but something's happened to your fire. You've just gone through some things. Maybe maybe you experienced the death of a loved one. Maybe you experienced a, a divorce. Maybe you experienced a, a terrible separation. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you had a financial reversal. Maybe people have betrayed you. But it's caused you to go through a season of disappointment. And today's the day for you to say yes to Jesus. Say, Lord, I want to be on fire for you. I want to enjoy the manifestation of your presence. And there's a third group of people I want to talk to today. And that's, you love the Lord. You really do. You ask Jesus to come into your life. But you don't have assurance in your heart that if you died today, that you would go to heaven. You don't know that you know that you know that you'd make heaven your home. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will bear witness in your heart that you're a child of God. If that's you, I'm just asking you to raise your hand. Say, Terrell, that's me. I'm in one of those three categories all over this house. Just raise your hand and leave it up until I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Terrell, that's me. That's me. That's me. Anybody else? All over this house. Anybody else? I'm going to just, on on the far left... You're standing here on the far left. You're in this section. You say, Terrell, that's me. I want to get right with God today. Anybody over here? How about in this center section, center left section? You say, Terrell, that's me. I want to get right with God today. How about in this center left or or, or, or front left? Say, Terrell, I want to get right with God today. How about over here in the the right front section, center section? I want to get right with God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody over here? I want to get right with God today. This middle section. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I want to get right with God, Terrell, today. Today's my day. How about in this, this, this left far section? Today's my day, Terrell. Today's my, ter- my day. Tell you what we want to do. Doesn't matter how many times you've done this. It's important for your own sake that you do this today. I'm going to ask you just to... Just to step out from where you're standing. Just tell those people standing close by. Just say, excuse me. If you came with some people, they'll wait until you, until you come back. Just, just say, excuse me. I just need you. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.